This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi, welcome to another episode of Serious Issues of Whitney Comic Book Podcast, coming to you for the last time ever uh, from the, our birthplace, uh, I know. which is King's Comics on uh, Pitt Street in Sydney. Yeah, I was literally born here. Yep, and you literally gave birth here too. Yep, as we just discussed. Yeah. Um, uh, so King's Comics has been in this location for how many years? Sixteen years. Sixteen years. It's the only com- place I've known King's Comics to be. Same. Even though it's been in other places, but before that, um, and uh, King's Comics has been where we've recorded eighty percent of the episodes of Serious Issues mm-hmm. in their beautiful, pristine office, office space out the back. And uh, I got luxury. Here. I got it today, and the it's empty. All the all the comics have been taken off the shelves. Yeah, I can't believe how 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 well moved out you are. Yeah, the Kings team are experts at like packing and unpacking books for conventions. <laughs> so it got done. Just, just general, like putting things in little sleeves and then yeah, yeah, yeah. the boxes, and then stacking <laughs> the little boxes in other boxes. We love organization and uh, organizing a bookshelf and. Uh... Yeah, so our, um, our our parents at King's Comics are mm-hmm. moving to where, Siobhan? 403 George Street, cool, now opposite for- Dimmicks. Look forward to about 18 months of me getting that address wrong. Yeah, it took me so long to remember the address when I first started. 403 now gotta- George Street, Sydney. It's pretty close. It's not that bad. Um, and uh, it's, it's closer to Wynyard Station than it is Town Hall Station for those visiting Sydney. Um, so uh, we'll be recording there, hopefully, if there's room for us to record uh, in the future. I'm not aware, but it's going to be funny. This is the farewell episode to Pitt Street, King Street, Pitt, King's Comics Pitt Street. Yeah. Um, we're having one last mint slice yeah. uh, while we record. Saddest, the saddest thing of all time. Like, it's, it's a bit pathetic, but like I started working here when I was 17 and I have like met my partner and like had a baby in that time and all this stuff and I'm like, ooh, my <laughs> second home is gone. Bit pathetic. No, it's, it's just it's, a fucking it's comic a, book it's story. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> what is this place gonna be gonna become? I, I don't know. They're like knocking it down. Apparently it's gonna be like a mezzanine level for uh 
like tradies or something to get changed. I don't know. I don't oh, know so it's, oh, it's going to become one of those interim things so other yeah. people can hang out here while they build something else. Yes, I think so. That's always like the biggest insult when your house gets knocked down so that it can be where tradies like hang porta potties to build roads. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. The biggest insult. The biggest insult. <laughs> Fuck roads. <laughs> anyway, my name is Levins. My name is Siobhan. Hello. Every week on this comic book podcast, we review all the comic books that came out last week. Um, you're going to hear hammering in the background. Things being moved around. It's going to be a bit of a funny episode. We might uh, try and burn through all these comics. Yeah. Literally, we've got a flamethrower. We're going to bring a torch to them. Yep, absolutely. We begin every episode of Serious Issues by going through all the new number ones, all the new series that started last week. Usually, I have some form of order. Fuck it. Uh, I just want to talk about I the don't. one I liked the most. Yes, please. That's Border Town. Yes. So, Vertigo, Siobhan. It's been around. Who are they? It's been around for twice as long as King's Comics has been at Pitt Street. Wow. Around, I would say so, 32-ish years, maybe longer. Uh, 80s. It's an 80s comic Uh book imprint uh started uh, by DC where things were allowed to get a little bit weird, a little bit dark. A little bit spooky. Uh, Most famous for giving us titles like The Sandman and then Preacher and then uh, Why the Last Man. Uh, It became kind of like DC Comics' almost indie imprint Mm -hmm. um, that gave us uh, the the first kind of big, big stories from a lot of creators that we love today. Grown-up stories for grown-ups. Every year, there's speculation. This is going to be the last year for Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Vertigo is mm-hmm. going to die, but uh, there was a recent campaign from Vertigo themselves, um, and they're putting out, I think it's like 12 new titles over mm-hmm. the next mm-hmm. year. And they're this back, is, baby. This is one of the first ones, um, if not the first one. I can't remember if we've missed I guess Other got, than like the Sandman books. The Sandman stuff is back too. Yeah, sure. So this uh, is a book called Border Town. It is by a writer that I'm not familiar with and an artist that I love and a colorist that I also love. Yes. Eric M. Esquivel. Definitely, that's not. I love it. Esquival. I fucking who knows, mate. Let us know. Eric M. Um, wrote this one, um, and uh, he is joined by uh, Ramon Villalobos, who we last Just. saw and loved on the um, Black Hawk. What's his name? Black- I, yeah, I was trying really hard to think of what his name. Nighthawk. Is. Nighthawk. There you go. Black- you did. Oh, God, Black no. Hawk. You racist. You fucking Fuck. racist. Mate. His costume's black. I swear. <laughs> Um, and Tamra Bonvillon, who is, uh, he's often a collaborator. Um, she works with, with Ramon on, uh, I think they even share a studio space. Oh, cool. Because I've read interviews with both, either of them and uh, Ramon often inter- interrupts Tamra's interviews. <laughs> he sounds pretty great. Yeah. Uh, Border Town is uh, a, a new fun series from, uh, from Vertigo that uh, kind of explains, like, you know, is a... Is a, it's a high school drama that... It's like a politically charged high school drama slash monster thing. Uh, where we have someone who is half Mexican, although, you know, looks looks white, so everyone treats him with the privilege that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, starting a new school, um, and uh, because he's white, he's immediately befriended by a white power. <laughs> white supremacist. White supremacist di- dickhead. Um, and then... Uh, there's like, I don't know, there's this brilliant kind of like teenage kind of high school dynamic of him trying to prove himself to the right mm-hmm. people and be the right person to the right people. And all the while, while this is going on, there's all this insane supernatural monster shit. Um, Happening we- in the background. And people getting eaten by police, etc. Yeah. And uh, this was just like a ton of fun. So fun. So fun. And like um, action packed and like incredible character design and all that stuff. Ron Villalobos is... So so good. Yeah, it was so Love good seeing to see him on interiors. Yeah, and doing something so insane because I thought yeah. like when it was like oh he's doing a, a one called Border Town I was like oh I guess this will be you know be cool seeing him doing like a kind of politically charged yeah. high school book and then finding out that there was like monsters and supernatural crap. 
You're like, yes. So on board. It's so great. He does some incredible stuff, beautifully colored by Tamara. And the writing uh, for someone that, as far as I know, I mean, I've not, I've not read anything by Eric M. Um, but, uh, Esquivel. Esquivel? Esquivel? Esquivel. That's actually, that's, it's Esquivel. I'm going to go out there. Esquivel. Eric M. Esquivel. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought this was like like brilliantly written and paced for for a new to me comic book writer. Absolutely, anyway, yeah. Funny, smart, gorgeous. I love this. Everyone should be reading this. And like that, like final page reveal of who the big bad guy is is so good. That's such a like brilliant um, redesign or character design. It looks like someone straight out of Maestro's. Yeah, yeah, the absolutely. Steve Gross book that we got recently, which is an incredible compliment. But uh, also, mm-hmm. you know, Villa Lopez is already one of my favorite artists. That we don't get work from as often as I'd like. Yep. But absolutely. now that they're, they're, it's that book coming out every month, I'm very, very excited. Pick it yeah. up, everybody. Border I love town. this. Yeah, this is probably my favorite comic of the week. Yeah, me too. There you go. Let's just call it. Yep, every done. other, every other comic we talked about this week. No, nah, there's some good stuff coming up, I yeah, swear to God. Totally. Um, so let's, uh, I guess that was published by DC. Are there any other DC number ones? Oh, yeah. Another, uh, another one from their Vertigo imprint. The Sandman himself returns for a book set in the Sandman universe called The Dreaming. Uh, This is written by Simon Sperrier. Beautiful art by Bill Chris Everly and excellent colors by Matt Lopez. Uh, Siobhan, this kind of builds on what we saw in the the big Dreaming, the Sandman universe number Mm -hmm. one, which kind of introduced all of these new titles that we're going to get in this universe. Uh, What did you think? It's a tough one, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to pick up the mantle of something that is so stamped with Neil Gaiman's voice. Yep. Um, like, how do you really carry that on? And I think Simon Spur is a pretty good choice. But this is a bit, like, um, it's very, very wordy. Yeah. So, the, the Sandman himself, the King of Dreams, is missing from his, his dream realm. And so, this book, I think somewhat cleverly, focuses mm-hmm. on all of the cast from the Sandman that kind of worked in the background of some of those stories. They weren't really that prevalent throughout the stories. They never really got like A or even B plots. They were just kind of always there when the, the King yeah. of Dreams went back to his abode. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Lucien, the, um, the, the the librarian. You have um, the... Pumpkinhead guy. Pumpkinhead guy who's racist now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matthew the Raven. Matthew the Raven. And then there's a new kind of angel figure um, who... Kind of, chick, Dora? Yeah, Dora, yeah. Who, uh, who, get, who gets her food from other people's dreams. And uh, she isn't liked or do- and also does not like anyone else in, that, in, in the realm. Mm. And the fact that now the, 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 the Sandman is not there, she's actually enjoying that he's not there and she can get away with whatever she wants. At one point, she uh, fucks a demon from hell. We've all been there. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's good. I, I, I'm never going to keep with it. It just, I feel like I finished this issue and I was like, I don't really feel like this did anything more than that first Dreaming Sandman 1 did. Yeah, couple, totally. Yeah. Last month. I feel like it um, it drags a little bit and I've found myself like halfway through the issue, like, <sighs> still so much Look, to go. That said, if we started getting the Sandman now, issue by issue, I would have been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, true. Because <laughs> that first trade, I remember like when I first picked it up, I, I bought the box set of all 10 trades straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. And like I was, I got into it. I was like, "Oh, what oh, have I got myself no. into?" And obviously, it does get incredible very quickly. But uh, these these series are by nature are quite a slow burn. Yeah, and there is a lot of world to be to be built. Bill Chris uh, Everly is fucking very very good, though. Definitely, um, really beautiful, and uh, probably the main reason that I'm I'm keeping the pages turning. 
Mm-hmm. I'll stick with this. Um, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be yet, but then it also kind of is. Just, I would like there to be like a surprise. Oh, yeah? Like you know, what? Like, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, they've done the story of like, oh, he's not in the dreaming anymore. He's disappeared. Yeah, they even make note of like yeah. it happening all the time. So it'd be cool to like um, see them do something new in the Sandman universe. Yeah. I don't remember the pumpkin hair guy being racist. He was like kind of like... No. He was my favorite guy, I think. <laughs> and now, now I'm like, oh, no. Turns out... <laughs> Turns out... Mad racist. I always just discovered on this episode. This. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, so also through DC this week, we got two titles through Jinx World, which is uh, the new place of publishing for Brian Michael Bendis's uh, creator-owned comics. Uh, and we got one brand new series and one returning series. Um, one that he, he started over at Icon. Let's start with this one. This is the United States versus Murder, Inc. Uh, his collaboration with Michael Avon Oeming um, and colors by Taki Soma. Um, and uh, last week we got another one of his returning series, Scarlet, which mm-hmm. I didn't think was a very good introduction to the series at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this is absolutely a great, like it's, it is kind of like a by the numbers organized crime comic book. I happen to like those quite a lot. Totally. And, uh, I really I quite enjoyed this number one, which is all, all new characters. I read the first six issues of, of the series when it started over at Icon, mm-hmm. uh, before the podcast started. And uh, I, it was okay. I, I, I dropped it because yeah. I, I didn't, didn't really go anywhere. Um, yeah. But this feels like an entirely new family. Yep. Um, I, I, if, if there were someone that was introduced in the previous one, I don't remember. But it, this feels very different. Um, it's really cold and grisly. Uh, in this, the, we see um, uh, someone high up in a crime family uh, is thrown off a building. Um, and her, his daughter is in school and telling for show and tell that her father got thrown off a building mm-hmm, and died. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to exact her revenge as like a six-year-old uh, on her father's killer. Um, and of course, the, uh, the the story jumping off at that point, you know, it's going to be pretty grim for yeah. it throughout. Um, and what's cool is that it's balanced by uh, Michael Evan Oming's very cartoony art. Like he, there's some hideous stuff that he draws, but because it's it's done in his kind of quite pop arty style, yeah, it's never like ugh. And the colors are so great. Like everyone's tinged purple and blue, and it's very sort of muted colors. But it's um, it's a very like interesting color palette. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, I thought this was really cool, and I like the angle of it. Like, you know, she's a she's a woman, and they've never had female enforcers before, so she has to be the best enforcer. She has to fucking prove that she is ten times better than everyone else to be able to um, be considered just as good. Yeah. Um, so it's like I think I think he does a good job. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. Maybe this is like some kind of anthology s series where every edition features on a different family in organized crime or something. Or maybe this will have ties to the characters we met in the uh, in the first book. Mm. But um. For those wondering if this is a good jumping on point, I I'm say yes. Absolutely. Um, I was also surprisingly on board with uh, Cover yeah. this week. I'm like a weird Bendis fan now. We, we generally say that a lot. I know. <laughs> Brian Bendis uh, wrote this one with his uh, Daredevil collaborator, um, David Mack, right back from, uh, I guess, maybe one of the first things most people remember Bendis by is his great Daredevil run, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which featured covers throughout the entirety of it by David Mack and some issues as well, particularly the um, issues that introduced the deaf character Echo. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that? I mean, I didn't read yeah. it, but yeah, I'm aware of it. Mac is a very of-his-time artist. Um, a lot of collage is used in his work and um, very kind of 90s like almost like grunge album cover aesthetics yep. um, in his uh, in his artwork. And so I was like, okay, strap yourselves in. This is going to feel like, you know, a dated thing, but I, I do like what Mac does. I think he did like a King's convention thing a couple of years ago and I bought a poster for of sure, it. For sure, for <laughs> sure. We've had him out before. 
But then I turned the page and this is like really, really awesome. Yeah. Like understated, simple, almost like indie-ish yep. art as opposed to kind of like alternative 90s stuff. And uh, the style changes up consistently. Like some of the panels, all of a sudden this female character is like rendered in like gorgeous watercolors and she looks very real and vibrant. And then in the next panel, she's back to black and white. Like it's really super interesting and really clever. So beautiful cover is about a uh, comic book artist Mm -hmm. traveling to cons, trying to make ends meet as all comic book artists do, you know, trying to like meet all his deadlines and uh, work his way through that while also traveling to con to con to con. Mm -hmm. Um, And at a con, he meets someone who's uh, a big fan of his work, um, a woman who buys everything. Mm-hmm. Like spends thousands of dollars and all the other artists at the con are like, oh my God, who's this person? Blah, mm. blah, blah. She then gets in touch with him at another con and uh, asks him out to dinner mm-hmm. and uh, reveals that she is a spy. And then ghosts on a uh, like a, a Michelin, Michelin starred meal, so which he has to pay, which is fine though. He's got plenty of money because she gave him money for his prints. Mm-hmm. Um, and the finale of this issue um, he's flown to somewhere Istanbul, Istanbul, where he's never been before, and who should meet him to pick it up? The, pick him up at the airport, but this apparent spy. This good fun. It was really good. It was a really simple story. Uh, the Bendisi narration, like here's the thing, Bendis does his Bendisi narration stuff better when he's doing it for a dude. Yes, like, <laughs> yes, I I'm agree. not saying he shouldn't write women, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't write the internal narrative of uh, women sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's pretty much what I was getting at. Yeah. But the internal narrative of this, like, you know, and if you know, I follow Bendis on Tumblr and Twitter, he shares more art than he does anything else. Like, he's yeah. clearly a massive fan. He's in the comics because he gets to work with his artists. He totally. has his roster of artists and they're the ones who are all working on these Jinx World things. So he clearly has a lot of respect for that world. And that's really evident through this character who's like flawed, but also like really innocent in a mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a really great, like if Bordertown didn't come out this week, this would be my favorite number one of the week, I think. Yeah, this was really, really good. And David Mack is like exceptionally good. My, definitely my favorite work that I've seen him do. Yeah. Um, this was awesome. I, I highly recommend... Uh, Anyone like kind of that's been skeptical of you know Bendis's creator own stuff coming back to DC as well, um, give this one a shot. This is easily the best of them so far. Absolutely agreed. <coughs> really, really good. I'm really interested to see where it goes. It's like a cool mystery. Cool yeah, mystery they've set up. Definitely. Cool. So those are all the DC books this week, and Marvel put out a couple as well, including Thanos Legacy number one. Um, this is a new series uh, by Donny Cates, which also, also featured a guest story by Jerry Duggan. Uh, Cates's story is drawn by Brian Level, and um, Duggan's story, which is uh, entirely silent um, and about Gamora, a pretty simple story about Gamora being sent to uh, kill people. Um, this has art by Corey Smith and Ruth, Corey Smith and Ruth Redmond. Um, the the backup story is. Fine. Like yeah, it's, fine. It's a good, I, I love silent comic book stories, mostly because they take 10 seconds to read. But. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but that was a cute one. Not a cute one, but it was a good one. Yeah, it was, it nice. was good. Um, and then, yeah, the Thanos legacy kind of spins out of both Duggan's, sorry, uh, Kate's Thanos run in which uh, Thanos travels to the future to help his future self win mm-hmm. um, and also spins out of uh, the fact that Thanos has recently died at the hands of Gamora mm-hmm. in Infinity War. And also spins out of Cosmic Ghost Rider, Donny Kate's other big yeah. property. Um, and so it introduces some like 
uh, fun new mystery. Basically, this is like what happens to Thanos' body once he's being killed by Gamora. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we have Cosmic Ghost Rider showed up, show up as well as um, Thanos' brother, um, Star Fox. Is that his name? Something like that. Whatever his name is. Yeah. Does it matter? I mean... He has some weird thing in his body, which is apparently his will. Yeah. I don't know. It's fun. It's more Donny Cates just doing whatever the fuck he wants. And I'm Absolutely. Yep. I like it. Keep, I like his vision for the sort of cosmic universe. Keep letting him do whatever he wants, Marvel, because he, he hasn't steered us wrong yet. Absolutely. Is and he the, doing... He's doing the Guardians book, right? That's right. Next... Uh, is it next year? Maybe it's end of this year. Well, um, I'm keen. Yeah. I'm keen too. I, I, the, he's, he's got some amazing books just, just this week yep. for us to talk about. So more of him later. But um, also spinning out of uh, Infinity Wars this week was As Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, a book that when I saw the cover, I was like, hell motherfucking yeah. Because it's Angela um, and um, um, what's her name? <laughs> Valkyrie. Valkyrie and Throg, the Thor and Scourge and some other guys. Um, Thunderstrike. Thunderstrike. And I was like, oh, this sounds really great. But then it's written by Colin Bunn. Who, oh, that explains a lot. I didn't even notice. Yeah, written by Colin Bunn with art by Matteo Lolli and Federico Blee. Um, Colin Bunn, for those who don't know, writes so writes more comics than anybody else. Like, yeah. As in like new series. Last last year we lost count of how many number ones he put out at like 30. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our uh, wonderful listeners, Connor, they worked out this week that um, Colin Bunn has had a lazy year. He's only written 11 number ones this year. Whoa. Um, but this is one of them. Um, my problem with Cullen Bunn on some titles, not all of them, I do enjoy some of his horror stuff and mm-hmm. um, The Six Gun and anything from that universe, um, is that he it, it'll be like a cool sounding concept and then he'll just kind of do the bare minimum yep. story-wise and character-wise. Yeah, there's never much like in the way of plot or character development and, and there's too much dialogue. Yeah, but it's not dialogue that leads to the plot. It's like them describing what they're doing at the time yeah. as they do it. Um, I realized that I didn't finish this because I was like, oh, when did Nebula show up? Um, but that's a like, so it took, this was a hard slog to get through, which it really shouldn't be. No. Uh, so, yeah, basically a bunch of Asgardians uh, assemble um, because there's some, uh, you know, cosmic bullshit they have to deal with. And. Uh, there's some cool surprises. Um, the best moments in this book come from the Thor Throg. Um, Love Throg. The Thor Throg. The Frog Thor is what I meant to say. Um, uh, who like just kind of creates havoc in this uh, in this issue as a little frog with a, with a with a hammer. Lots of fun. All but then good. there's a uh, yeah. There, there's two big surprise reveals. Um, one of them is that uh, Nebula is going to kind of be the antagonist of this series or an, an antagonist, and. Um, also, that um, someone kind of steering the Asgardians kind of I- into the direction that he wants them to mm-hmm. is none other than the return of Kid Loki. Yeah, I know. From I the just... Journey into Mystery run. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it works, um, but that was enough for me to go, okay, maybe I need to give this another issue. Because I think even though the first half of this issue wasn't what I wanted from it, it mm-hmm. did eventually get there. And hopefully the next issue will, will as well. Do you remember what was good? Um, was Cullen Barnes' Magneto run. That was fucking really good. That was so good. And that had um, art by... Gabrielle Walter. Gabrielle Walter. That's why that it was, was so good. That was good as fuck. Um, but also, didn't didn't close out strong. Because of that stupid um, event where all the good guys became bad guys and the bad guys became 
Good guys. Good God. What was that? Uh, Rick Remender wrote it and then he quit Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Axis. Just burn everything to the ground and leave. Finally from Marvel this week was the Silver Surfer Annual Number 1, uh, written by a team that I have no familiarity with whatsoever. But upon opening the issue, I was like, oh, this looks a lot like a Mobius book. And uh, they yep. intended it to. Um, specifically, I think it was either an annual or a one-shot by Mo- Mo- Mobius um, many years ago. Have you read that, Silver Surfer? Uh, no, I haven't, which is bad and dumb. So speaking of King's Comics at Pitt Street, the first time I visited when your lovely boyfriend... The lovely Nate. Uh, canonically lovely Nate was working. He was like, oh, yo, this this, this just got a re-release. And it was mm. like a the, the Mobius Silver Surfer issue for like $7. And I bought that like eight, nine years ago yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Really cool. Really cool. <laughs> Thanks, cool. Nate. I can't believe Nate recommended that. <laughs> I can't believe Nate recommended something that wasn't X Men. <laughs> so it's written by Ethan Sachs and Andre Lima Arajo on art and Chris O'Halloran on colors. Um, and uh, this is basically a story about Silver Surfer when he was. Uh, the Herald of Galactus? Exactly, the Herald of Galactus. So he's got to find planets uh, for Galactus to eat so he doesn't eat Silver Surfer's home planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, Silver Surfer finds a planet that he reckons the universe can live without and then finds magic in the people who live there. Um, and of course. It's, it's a really cool, tragic Absolutely. Silver Surfer story because um, obviously we know what he, comes, he goes on to become, but it's fun visiting this era because there's a lot of gaps um, in, in, in our history that we don't know about. And uh, this is a beautiful, gorgeous, great, really beautiful so, issue. Yeah. I, I've, have you heard of that? that ne- I have, but I can't think that of what name else is, is done familiar. off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I, um, this is spectacular though. This is one of those instances where um, Wayne from King's Comics was like, oh, that sucked. And I've realized recently that I was like, ah, if Wayne thinks something sucks, I'm going to love it. How? If Wayne thinks something is great, I'm going to hate it. Why would anyone hate this? Because so... he's a big, dumb, idiot baby who hates everything that's good. Um, <laughs> and he's wrong 100% it, of the time. Like, it is definitely paying homage to many stories that we've read before, but it's doing enough new with it. Absolutely. And it looks incredible enough that it's, yeah. like, it's fine. And it's like this perfect, perfectly paced, gorgeous, tragic story that deals with life. Yes, life itself. Ethan Sachs... Uh, definitely someone that I'm going to keep an eye out for now. Absolutely. I really enjoyed his uh, his his issue. Yep, that was Real great. good stuff. Real worth, like, genuinely an annual worth tracking down. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we've got a couple more now. One from uh, Image, written by Scotty Young, with um, who gave us uh, I, I Hate Fairyland and mm-hmm. um, all those covers of all the Marvel heroes looking like babies yep. over the years. Um, he did that amazing... Um, one, uh, what's that movie? Over the Rainbow... The thingy. Do you know what I mean? Like... For the Tin Man. Oh, right. Um, Dorothy, The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. He did yeah. all those Wizard of Oz comics that were great. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were good. Uh, art on this one is by Aaron Conley with colors by Jean, Jean, Jean-Francois Bellou. Perfect. Um, and uh, P.S. As if it's symbiote. It is totally symbiote, isn't it? Yeah. I've been saying symbiote this whole time. I know. I mean, who cares, to be honest? Yeah. It doesn't like, matter. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not it's a just, big deal. It's just my accent. It's just your accent. You're just weird. <laughs> the comic that I'm talking about uh, by that creative team is Bully Wars, number one. And uh, it's about a bully who loves bullying. He's nerdy friends, but no, not friends, like ner- all the nerds at his school. But then they go to a new school and now the bully's about to get bullied himself. And who can he turn to to not be bullied, but the nerds he used to bully? Uh, this was fine. Hard pass for all future issues. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought I enjoyed this. It was like silly. I feel like um, Scotty Young has that real like uh, 
90s cartoon sort of sensibility. Like, it's vaguely sort of Ren and Stimpy inspired. Everything's very manic. Everything's really crazy. But I thought this was, like, a really great, funny, all-ages, high school thing. Yep. It absolutely was. I'm probably going to Just don't need to read any more of it. And, yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> but the color's great, and it's like, if that sounds like it appeals to you, I do recommend it. Um, watch me still read it. Yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, maybe I did like it. I don't know. <laughs> Dark Horse this week gave us uh, a new number one from Margaret Atwood and Ken Stacy uh, called War Bears. Margaret Atwood is a furry. 100%. Continue. Tell me more about her first before I um, say anything about her comic book. Who is she? You know, she wrote The Handmaid's Tale. Big, important, famous author. Right. But the two comic books that she's written have been about anthropomorphized animals. It's like sexy men. That's so funny. <laughs> she did Angel Catbird, which I actually really oh, liked. Oh, right. She did that. And right. which is like, um, she was doing it for some kind of charity or like thing that's about like, don't put your cats outside because they eat birds. But then she made it into this like crazy superhero story. <laughs> and this is a um, World War Two era set book yeah. about cartoonists yeah, and so, uh, people turning into bears. Well, no. So uh, bears. normally when we think about cartoonists working during World War II, we think about New York, but this is set in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could pretty essentially move it all anyway. to New York and yeah. it would be exactly the same. Um, and we see a young cartoonist uh, whose family is struggling. Uh, he goes to a, uh, a comic book publisher and um, the boss is a lady. Um, and she says that he'll pay. She'll pay him twenty bucks a week, mm-hmm. um, and he ends up working underneath someone who has to do all of his scrap work. Um, but then, while he's uh, alone in in the studio one night, he creates his own character, um, who's the Wear Bear or something like that. And she's like a sexy uh, war fighting bear lady. Bear lady. Um, and uh, she, they, they, yeah, basically she, they start publishing his comics, um, and. Uh, this was like a kind of sweet nod to the the era of um, the uh, golden age of superhero Kirby comic books. and Cubit, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't need to read any more of this. Did you like it? I liked it. I thought this was like a fun story that, like, while we're familiar with it and familiar with the tropes, we don't get to see it that much. I really like the art. It was vaguely reminiscent of like uh, Jill Thompson, people like that, like classic Dark Horse. Yep, creators. I, I, I liked it. I think Margaret Atwood has like funny things to say, and I think I like her stepping into the comic book realm. I think that she's and, and like the furry an interesting realm. and the furry realm. I think she's uh, adding to the furry canon. I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I liked it. Furry canon. I know that'd be a good bar. <laughs> yeah, that's a good fun name. <laughs> furry canon. Um, finally, uh, from Dynamite, I, I have read... two more after that. But oh, yes, wow, uh, I read James Bond Origin, um, written by Jeff Parker, with art by Bob Q and Simon Boland. Uh, and this is a James Bond story uh, set during World War Two. Again, mm-hmm. another World War Two book. Um, and when uh, he was a teen, he's a teen. Which, yeah, so yeah, obviously not the not the James Bond we see today. Absolutely, it's a different James Bond in another time, everybody. Um, but uh, I don't even care about this. Admit, <laughs> like I don't care about James Bond before he became James Bond. That's not the point of James Bond. Yeah, so he's like studying and um, uh, trying to save a professor and then he has to stop these bad guys from making a bomb or something. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't care. If you are desperate for more James Bond comics... Uh, There's better ones. There are better ones, that's true. Just reread those Warren Ellis ones from yeah, a couple cool. of years ago. That was really good. I'm what? re-watching all of the James Bond movies from the beginning at the moment. What, have you got time. a favourite? Uh, like Bond or movie? Uh, Bond and then movie. Sean Connery's very handsome, 
But those movies are pretty bad. Yeah. They're really slow. They're really slow and there's not much plot and he hits women a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of smacking around ladies. Um, but I'll, I'll keep you posted because I'm excited. Because to... you're actually just going through... You're all, I, I couldn't do... I need to jump throughout the time. Yeah, line, it's going to be tough to like get through the sort of... Uh, I am Roger Moore era. I'm a huge fan of Timothy Dalton's two I'm Bond so movies. I'm so fucking yeah. excited that Timothy Dalton is um, in Doom Patrol. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Holy yeah. shit. I like stood up and screamed at Jim for like five minutes when we found out. I'm so excited about that TV show. He was, ah! in, he was in a movie that was like Fran Drescher, like post the, 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 the only thing she did after the nanny. What? And it's like her becoming a nanny for, and he's like a, di- he's like a dictator. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, find I remember watching it on a plane is. like 20 years ago. Wow. I need to find that movie. Um, um, okay, I read two more number ones, but they, I don't know. Oh, this one's a number one. This one's a one shot. I read Aphrodite 9 Ares, written by Leon Glazer, art by. Oh, this is like. So this had two stories in it, and it's like a talent hunt, 2017. What in the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. It's talent 2018. Hunt. Anyway. <laughs> I don't really understand what this is now, but it's um a two short stories in the Aphrodite universe, right. that world, and I quite liked it. I'm finding myself more and more invested in this universe of sexy robo ladies, um, and it's a delight to be here. Okay, that's it. You love this universe. I do. I love sexy robo ladies. Hey, guess what? The um the <laughs> Fran Drescher and Timothy Dalton movie in which she is a beauty school teacher who becomes a local hero by rescuing lab animals from a fire in her work- workplace building. She's offered a job um, I am sure as I've an emissary from the Eastern European nation of Slo- Slovetsia. Oh, no. Um, Boris Prochenko, oh, played no. by Timothy Dalton, oh, my the country's God. dictator, <laughs> wants to improve his image by hiring an American tutor for his children. Mistaken for a real teacher, Joy arrives in Slovetsia and soon bumps heads with Boris while brightening up his palace life. Fuck yes. It's called The Beautician and the Beast. Yes! I've just walked into this conversation. knew the title of that movie. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's so good. I'm looking that up. Is that on Netflix? I better be. Uh, it's it's on um, United Airlines flights to America <laughs> circa 1996. Well, that's a time I wish I could go back to. Uh, I was going to talk about this as well, but I don't even know what to say about it because it's very long and complicated. I read The Vigilant, issue one from 2000 AD. This is a 2000 AD uh, superhero team creation mm-hmm. led by someone wearing like Kanye West circa Gold Digger style sunglasses. Okay. Um, and it's like a very involved superhero team. I wouldn't say this was a good jumping on point. Um, and I wouldn't say anyone should read it. The end. <laughs> Great. I'm going to pass those last two books to me. Yes. As we, uh, pretend that we have a dice. Oh uh, yeah. You've packed I the packed dice. Up my dice. It's at the new, it's at the new store again. Yeah. Already. 304 George Street. 403 so. George Street. Fuck. Opposite Dimmicks. Okay, 403 George Street. Opposite Dimmicks. Of course, you can find every book that we talk about at kingscomics.com. And if you want to talk about those books, the best place to do it is facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast, where we have a group of 2,000-ish members mm-hmm. all talking about comics and comics all day, related stuff. All night. All goddamn day and night. Uh, DC is closest to me right now, so let's talk about DC. Yeah. Um, as in like physically, not... Yes. Not closest dark. to your heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emotionally. Um, hey, let's check in with Tom King's Batman run. Now 44, 54 issues deep. This one issue was uh, had art by Matt Wagner. I know. I love Matt Wagner. It was uh, cool seeing him showing up. Um, a very, very different uh, artist to what we have seen on this book in the last uh, few issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, feel, it feels like a 
product of its time, I guess, compared yeah. to how modern a lot of, I guess, not really Lou Weeks, but I don't know. It was it was strange? I was like, oh shit, Matt Wagner. Okay, cool. But I imagine some people may have been thrown by his style on this book. Definitely, I think if you're not like aware of his work in the past, you'd be a bit, yep. uh, yeah, confused T- by this. Tomo Moray on colors, um, and we see a story. Uh, here's the thing, Siobhan. Yeah. Did you know that uh, raising a child is a lot like trying to eat and enjoy a cucumber sandwich? Because <laughs> that is, I don't know if you got it by Tom King's very, very clever metaphor that in this issue, he compares raising... Ooh. Raising Dick Grayson <laughs> and fitting into a family, it's a lot like learning, learning to, like to love cucumber, cucumber sandwiches. sandwiches. Dick Grayson is a cucumber sandwich. I don't even know how to talk about this. It. I just watch. No, thank you. This, Not for me. Why do I keep reading this? The most part of the- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This issue was good. It just, it's just then when he just like just really kicks you and just yells, yeah. metaphor, 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 metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm surprised he didn't it. have just someone on the radio saying... Raising children is tough. Yeah. So That's what it cucumbers. usually does. <laughs> I also just like, I just, I, I wish he'd like tell a story instead of just um, linking together a bunch of random conversations with between Bruce and Nightwing. Yeah. Bruce and Dick. And I don't find, you know what? I don't think he writes a good Bruce. Well, the main thing. I don't that, like his that, Bruce. I, I want to go back to that point you made, which is that, yeah, he's not really writing a story. We are. Yeah. This entire run has been a series of conversations since. I guess the Bane yeah. thing wrapped up, but like you know, some of them have been great, like the um one where they go to Talia to, you know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all going to get married. That was that was an excellent arc, the last good arc I reckon of, of this, yeah, like really good arc. But then yeah, I, I feel like there's no there's no kind of ongoing plot. It is just these like weird vignettes of of mostly conversations where he's like, well, Batman is a, a jar of pickles, and here's why. <laughs> And also there's this real, like, just making, uh, maybe I'm being, like, 
overly harsh, but I feel like he just is like, remember all these stupid fucking villains that Batman had? Isn't that hilarious? Now real life, okay? Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, we're still going to read it all the way through to issue 100, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> a part, part of me enjoys it, but like a lot of every, everything else he's done before, I guess, Batman and Mr. Miracle has been predominantly plot driven. Like the vision was a very plot driven 12 issues. Yeah, true. Um, and, and I don't know if Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Babylon. Sheriff Babylon is like. I would say that, I would argue though that they're mostly character pieces, largely. Right. Um, but those were more tightly plotted. Maybe that's the yeah, thing. Sure. Maybe maybe he can only have 12 issues. You can only give him 12 well, issues. I mean, that's a Mr. Miracle is 12 issues long. Well, it turns out you can't even give him that. Give him one issue. <laughs> One issue at a time. What about all those short stories we read that were like eight issues that made you want to rip them out and tear them to pieces? Yeah. Look, I don't think I like Tom King. (laughs) I think I I just don't like his general vibe and his attitude towards all of my precious boys who I love so much. (laughs) Um, What about Christopher Priest? What do you think about him? Love Christopher Priest! He wrote issue 35 of Deathstroke this week, um, which featured his uh, regular artist, collaborator... Whose last name is fun to say, Pequalian. Sure is. Carlo Pequalian. Yes, Pequalian. I like um, the way he draws Batman's little ears. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jason Paz and Andy Owens on inks. Jeremy Cox on colors. This is the finale of the Deathstroke versus Batman um, arc, which has been pretty fun. Essentially, uh, the old men in Deathstroke and Batman's lives, aka Wintergreen and. Uh, Alfred, Mm -hmm. uh, team up to teach their dumb boys a lesson. Yep. And uh, it was fun. Yes, absolutely. And this had way better moments of like talking about fatherhood and being a parent and stuff like that in like subtle, cool ways um, that were much better than whatever the fuck Tom King is doing. But I love his character development for Deathstroke. I love his um, Bruce. I wish Christopher Priest had more of a chance to play around at the DC Universe because I think he's so good. Yeah, him master. Like I know he turned down the chance to be the Batman editor, which was offered to him recently. It's so good. That would have been so good. I wish he'd had longer on Justice League as well. Um, Um, But I really like the art on this. I I don't know how much longer he's on Deathstroke, but this whole arc's been really fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure about the final reveal when uh, Batman throws the paternity test results in the fire and it reveals that as it it slowly burns that um, Damian Wayne's parent is a cucumber sandwich. That was a bit on the nose. I was shocked. Uh, But finally, um, from DC... Oh, you've got another one. Yeah, I read Super Sons. Talk about Super Sons. Um, I'm probably not going to keep reading this. It's like Little Justice League from an alternate world come here to like but it's like it's like little crime syndicate isn't it yeah 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 so they're like uh from an alien world that grew up on earth tv and so they know who all the superheroes are so this bad team of little guys are like oh we're gonna come be evil but then the joker isn't evil and he's trying to get robin to help him um this is fine it's just not really like my vibe yeah yeah totally and I, I, funny, I feel like we were complaining about wanting something to be a bit more like this. No, you know what it is? It's still doing otherworldly, other other-dimensional yeah. stuff. Like they're stuff. in space. But they don't need to do that. No, Just exactly. Just have it being like, oh, Damien, I can't go solve crime until I walk the fucking dog. Crypto yeah, yeah, needs. Yeah. Help oh, me with my homework. Oh, no, I forgot to bring a plastic bag to pick up crypto's poos. What are we going to do? Oh, I know. Um, we'll use your cape. Ta-da, the end. That's what I want. <laughs> Someone draw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Injustice 2, um, we are rapidly 
approaching the end of this phenomenal run by Tom Taylor and yep. various artists, and this issue made me fucking cry. <laughs> this was an emotional issue. Like, so I was hosting a food event on, yep. on, on Saturday, and I brought my comics because nice. I, I knew it would be like... Um, I was like hosting a, a stage with, with bands on it. Other bands were playing for an hour. I would introduce them. Then they would get off, and then I would introduce the next one. So I'd sit down while the bands are playing, read some comics. Um, what kind of food band event was this? Uh, it's, uh, it Foods was called and Parklands Food Fest. Food, nice. Foods and bands together? <laughs> I've heard of bands and foods, but foods and bands? Foods and bands. No, thank you. Um, it was too much for me. Just, oh yeah, it was just 12 stores of, of cucumber sandwiches <laughs> and, and, and various mothers telling them that it's like parenting. Um, yeah, but uh, I was like, oh, I've got five minutes until I've got to go on stage and introduce the first act. I'll just sit down and read a comic. What makes, what's a fun one that I can just read quickly and enjoy? Mm. I know, Injustice 2. And I started fucking weeping <laughs> and I had bloodshot eyes and had to get up in front of everyone and introduce like an African drum group. <laughs> It just looked really like cool and stone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> cool uh, So Injustice 2 um, has been just like, you know, the continuation of uh, something that uh, Tom Taylor started many years ago to tie mm-hmm. into a video game that the series became way better than it had any right to be. Yep. Um, and uh, this um, this issue featured art by someone called uh, Zermanico and colors by Jay Nanjan. Um, and it's entirely set in space. There was a big uh, war between the Green Lanterns, the Red Lanterns, Starro, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. um, none other than um, Brainiac shows up. Um, and uh, the, the 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 person um, who who is kind of told that he would he's the only reason the only person that can stop this war from happening is the very young Jamie Reyes, aka mm-hmm. um, Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. and he has no idea how he's going to do that. And it turns out that it, it's Booster Gold, who has to uh, basically uh, sacrifice, sacrifice himself, himself to uh, and and th- the way he does it and the way it's done is so moving and so like masterfully done. Yeah, and I didn't see it coming, and then nope. when it did, it ends. It's not. It just is. It was just perfect, and I, yep. it, I just, I just started fucking bawling. Yep. Yeah, it was heartbreaking, and it was earned, and it was uh, <laughs> like respectful to the stuff that's come before there are little moments in there for fans but i'm assuming that if you haven't you know read all of justice league international that you would also get a lot out of this um really sweet really beautifully done look there's a lot of there's a lot of people that compare this to 52 and i reckon it's as good as 52 which Mm, is like i disagree but yes you haven't read much of it i think if you read all of it you would agree Okay. You've read like four issues of it. Yeah, I know, but 52 is so good. Yeah, this this is like, 52 never made me cry. And that is, that's that's, that's how I measure. I, I, at the end Goodness. of every, every comic book run, I have a little jar that I hold on with my eyes and uh, I measure the millimeters of tears. And that's it. That's how, how that's, much. That's the official ranking. Yep. Now you hear. But so, see, I like Lobo as a um, space fish priest more than I like Lobo as a Green Lantern. He was, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, sure. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, very, very good issue. Um, Excellent. And, uh, I know that the print run of Injustice 2 is a little bit behind the digital run, so we will be getting the last issue of that soon, but apparently it's already been coming out and people love it. Great. Image books this week. We should give a little clarification that uh, Paper Girls are not shipped to Kings this week, which is a real bummer. We'll catch up with that soon. But a few books did um, that Siobhan didn't read, but I did, so I'll just burn through them very quickly. Yes, please. Uh, the Walking Dead. Uh, it's getting really slow and still walking. Yeah, still walking. Still dead. Not so much dead. It's 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 all about the alive people and there's a uh, the zombies are not really a problem for for our survivors anymore. It's other people. It's the people. Um, That's the real monster, right? Yeah. Man. 
this kind of a riot breaks out in the very civilized area they're in now, which is like it was supposed to. It's just it wasn't a, normally this this uh, this series has the most amazing cliffhangers, and they haven't had an, an incredible one in a while. Give me a good cliffhanger, please. Um, the Last Siege by uh, Landry Q. Walker, Justin Greenwood, Eric Jones, and pa- Patrick Brosseau. This is the um, uh, like medieval um, uh, comic about uh, like a, a visitor from the east who is the, the heir to the throne, and um, there's an attacking um, uh, like more more visitors from the east who are about to attack this castle, and it's it's really really good. And we kind of saw the the princess who is uh, going to be forced to be marrying this this dumb jerk, mm-hmm. uh, stand up for herself and, and kill that jerk Hell yeah. in this issue. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious as to what, where this is going to go next. Um, it's, a, it's a really good, pretty like, like it should be grim, but it isn't. Hmm. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, um, you know, that Brian Wood Crusades book, but it's not super grim the whole way. It allows moments of lightness in the story, which, That's is, cool. which is good. Oh, cool. <coughs> um, Black Science 38. The um, final issue of the second last arc of this series by Rick Remenda, Matteo Scalera, and Moreno Denicio. Um, really, really good and like just an enormous mind fuck. Um, again, this is a this is a book that I almost dropped when it started getting like a lot of Remenda's work often does get just relentlessly bleak with no mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no kind of moments of hope for any of our characters, and this ends on such a beautiful like yes win for all the characters they didn't think was possible. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait to see where he, where they go with the, with the, the final arc. He'll probably fucking destroy everything in the final arc just to make you cry. No, I think it's going to be like an uncharacteristically sweet, sweet happy happy uh, Rick Remender ending, where everything goes back to normal or something. Mm. You know, it was all a dream. Oh man, Stray Bullets. I would respect him if he did that. Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, thirty eight. Probably my second favorite book that I read this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this is written and drawn by David Laffham. Uh, it is one of my favorite series of all time, and we are nearing the end of this chapter of it, which means we will take a long break from it for a while, I think. Um, but uh, every like six to ten issues, they do a um, kind of like fantasy uh, sci-fi spin-off book. Um, called Amy Racecar, in which okay. one of the characters envisages, envisages herself as like this, like super criminal who like travels through space and and kills people. Cool. Um, and uh, then we have this iteration of it is someone called Lil B, who is the daughter of Amy Racecar. Um, and though the basically the, the Amy Racecar issues will kind of sum up what happened in the last six or so issues but in a really weird and fantastical way Mm -hmm. and this one does but then constantly breaks back and forth between what's actually happening in the world and what is being imagined okay um and ends on just like an incredible moment like that was like the oh shit uh cliffhanger that i needed when uh walking dead didn't deliver one and uh i think there's only two ish two or three issues left of sunshine and roses and uh i can't wait to see what happens um, probably enormous amount of death because I thought that this book delivers in spades. But uh, fuck, man, what a series! The cool. best. Um, we've got Snot Girl to talk about eventually, but first, you read a book that I didn't. <laughs> I read issue three of Unnatural by Mirka Andolfo. Mirka, you say Mirka sexy pig, pig, sexy pig, sexy fairy book um, about a world in which anthropomorphized animal people um, cannot marry outside of their species. If they do, that is unnatural. You cannot do that. And there is like a breeding program, whereas if you haven't found a partner by the age of 25, they set you up with someone in your species. Sexy furry piggies breeding camp. <laughs> Sexy furry breeding <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so our hero is a sexy pig lady who has crazy dreams about a sexy uh, wolf man. Um, 
And that might be, they might be part of something bigger and weirder than they could possibly imagine. Um, and so we see our girl being set up on her date with a pig guy, but he is not what he seems. Um, and this keeps getting more and more bizarre, but I really like it. It's really like silly and the, um, you know, the sort of allegorical nature of it is like hammered over your head a little bit but um the art's really fun and she's like expanding the universe in a way that's really interesting and it's something really you know it's not there's not any other sexy pig stories about a sexy pig trying to have sex with a sexy wolf man (laughs) and that's what that's what readers want that's what you want look at the cover of the next issue Woo, sexy pig butt sexy wolf sexy wolf butt sorry jeez and there's like mad pinups inside it's a Rudy Doody book, um, but I like it. <laughs> Is the Dong Watch ever feature? No, you know no what? Watch, I don't yeah. think it's that um, that progressive, to Damn. be honest. But uh, I like it. I like the um, the hilarious story elements that are tying the sexy bits together. And we got a blurred Dong in uh, issue eleven of Snot Girl. Fuck yes. Side note: How the fuck is it only eleven issues of Snot Girl so I don't far? Because like they've told so many more stories yeah. in this series so far. It's one of those funny stories where it feels like um, every issue, you're like, oh, that not that much happened. But then you think back, you're like, oh, actually, fucking tons yeah, happened. Yeah, so much happened. Um, so Snot Girl is a, a book about a fashion blogger, um, written by Brian Lee O'Malley with art by Leslie Hung, um, and uh, where this our our, our hero was. Uh, pretty despicable at the start of the series Mm -hmm. you know as of course as you get to know her more and more you feel for her a lot and you want her to win i guess like you know you want her to be better than her crappy uh haters club brunch group yeah um and uh when she starts to fall for and hook up with uh cool Cool girl Girl. um i'm I'm all for this relationship but uh cool girl seems like bad news though i know but like everyone's attracted to bad news javon everyone (laughs) (laughs) whoa (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, I, I, I thought this was a spectacular issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like the moments of Lottie realizing that if she is herself, people will accept that. That's yes. nice. Yeah. Just little subtle character moments. And I love um, the new friendship between Sunny and Ashley. Ashley. Um, and they're like weird bro dates and yeah. little weird thing going on. Um, and I love the ongoing uneasiness around some of these characters. I love it. Fuck, it's so good. It's so good. It's It's lapsed. Scott Pilgrim for me in terms of uh, this is like the this like, might be my favorite thing he's ever done yeah me too uh, I, I love I just his voice for these characters is so natural and yeah. it's crazy like yeah. I, it's it, it's, hard, it's hard to believe that the same guy wrote that wrote Scott Pilgrim is writing these these women in this in this book totally he, he has some kind of crazy insight into the way that the mind of the young fashion blogger Instagram <laughs> influencer works I don't know where he gets it from but um it's really pitch perfect all yeah, the time. And absolutely. I, I like Lottie so much more now, which is funny. Yeah. There's but it's so, so great, gorgeous. Fuck, so Leslie Hung yeah. is so good. She is so good. These characters look beautiful. The, the concept art at the, at the back as well. Yep. Just so great. And then also, the, I even love the, the pictures of people that have been cosplaying as uh, characters from Snot Girl yep. recently. I love it. So great. What a great book. It's such a good book. Uh, it's such a treat to get it. Um, so excited it's back. So that's uh, Image and DC done. We've got Marvel to burn through now. Um, and I'll start with Avengers quickly, which you didn't read. I Avengers. did. Oh, you did. Right, I cool. did read it. Uh, Avengers 7, um, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Sarah Pacelli and Justin Ponzor, uh, told a story, the origin story of, the, I guess, the first Ghost Rider, yep. who um, was one of the first uh, cavemen with the... Uh, the, the the gift of speech who mm-hmm. can think for themselves um, and uh, he is uh, 
given the the ghost rider powers by Mephisto, um, and he he rides a flaming woolly mammoth, <coughs> and this this basically like tells us his life up to when he first meets Odin mm-hmm. and um, the Phoenix, um, which we saw in the DC. It was sorry, um, Avengers one million BC or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like like a pretty good issue. It was also the best issue of this Avengers series so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which says more about the series than it does about the issue. But yeah, uh, totally. I still I still enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this issue up until like three quarters of the way through. I forgot what comic book I was reading. I was just really <laughs> enjoying the story, and then I was like, "Oh, he's a ghost writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember what this is. Um, but I really I enjoyed this issue a lot. Yeah. But it is, it is telling that this has been the best issue so far. Yeah, totally. This Avengers run. <laughs> Maybe he just had to write like a kind of like... You just have to do the stupid getting the team together arc and then I, you I can... I know we love the getting the team together arc, didn't you? <sighs> yeah, I don't think... Yeah. Anyway. It's not fair. <laughs> do it better. Do what I like. Um, Captain America, issue number three by Ta-Nehisi Coates, Lionel Francis Yu and Jerry Alan Guilan and Sonny Go. Um, this uh, continues... Um, Coates's run of Cap, where Cap is working alongside uh, Wakanda to uh, help get rid of the people that came in after Hydra from America and made things better. Am I getting that right? Uh, oh yeah, they're called like the Power now. Or yeah, something, yeah. So basically, they're pretty yeah. much just Hydra. And there, there are parts of America that loved when Hydra came in power, not because they're racist, but because that they, you know, they they allowed the towns to prosper these small towns in the middle of America. And, uh, you know, Cap is trying to listen to these guys too and um, not ignore them because that's what led them to side with Hydra to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, series. Like, you know, it, I, I, it's definitely like a slow burn to, yeah. to where we're eventually going to get, but it's, I, it's, it's not done in a way that Coates' original Black Panther run was where I was like, where is he going with this? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying this, this, this burn. Yeah, totally. I think it's, um, you know, he's going to get you somewhere of value and it's going to be interesting and good fun along the way. And um, who's on art? McNiven? Uh, Lionel Francis Yu. Great. Yeah. Really doing a great job. <coughs> and uh, Sh- Sharon, um, Agent 33 or whatever, has been uh, kidnapped by this woman who uh, like basically like saps the life from people to keep herself looking young and hot. And I love like, the dream. The, the, there's a great panel where like she like she takes the life from someone. Like she's like an old lady in a, mm. in a cloak. And um, the first thing we see of her newly euthanized body Tits. is her boobs. Tits. That's perky, how you know. Perky boobs. Thank goodness. I'd hate it if she had saggy boobs. That would be the worst. Um, so we're going to end on two of Donny Cates' books this week. Um, before we get there, we'll get uh, issue number five of The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, Joe Bennett. Roy, Jose, and Paul Mounts. In terms of books that I'm just straight up enjoying, this is probably my favorite Marvel book. It's, I love this. It's so good. I do miss when it was like the the freak of the week. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One, one issue to one issue in those first three issues. But this was a, a really cool and massive bummer of a story. Yep. In which we see uh, the Wendigo. No, no, what was his name? He was not called Wendigo. Yeah, we kept saying that and then we got... And we got corrected. And you'd think I would have read the correction and listened. His but... name's Walter. Walter, aka Sasquatch. 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 There we go. Um, and uh, yeah, so he he was a member of um, Alpha Flight, mm-hmm. and um, basically, the longer he stays Sasquatch, which everyone wants him to be because Sasquatch is powerful, um, the the further he 
is from him himself. And the, the well, the more someone from from an evil dimension can make his way into his brain. And so the suggestion here, and certainly that's what Hulk sees, is that the uh, the evil person from this evil dimension that's that that took over Walter's body as Sasquatch was the Hulk, Hulk's dad. Hulk's dad, which is like a really cool and weird. Uh, Reveal. I hope it isn't. I hope it turns out to be something else. I'm sure it will. I hope it's his dad. You like? We want to be his dad, all right? Yeah. Why is it bad to be his dad? I don't know. It's good to be his dad. Daddy issues are boring. No, no way. (laughs) Um, And I liked the reveal that the sort of hero of the story, who's a female journalist, um, the reveal that the reason that she's so obsessed with the Hulk is because she wants to be like him. Yeah, because she she, when she was young, she watched the Hulk tear her town apart. Yeah. And yeah. she made eye contact with him and she was like, oh shit, I need to be that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a fucking, that's cool. Yeah. That's a cool weird reveal. How do I, how do I get to be what you are? And Joe Bennett's art is oh, it's exceptional. So good. I've never enjoyed him as much as I've enjoyed him on, on this book. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's really like match. ominous, great. It feels like like classic horror television as well. Yes. Like your TV movies. Yeah, it's a, nailing the vibe. I love it. Yeah, I really, really love it. Um... Finally, we've got two Kate's books. And uh, I don't think Kate's... Very some... tonally different books. Very, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about Cosmic Ghost Rider first, issue number three, written by Donny Cates. Uh, this one has art by Dylan Burnett and Antonio Fabella on colours. Um, and this, is, of course, is uh, Frank Castle as the Cosmic Ghost Rider many mm-hmm. years into the future. Um, and he has just took it upon himself to kidnap Thanos and he's going to raise him himself... Baby to not, Thanos. ...to not be evil. Yeah, kidnap baby Thanos straight out of the crib. Um, and uh, the a future team, a future version of Guardians of the Galaxy led by Cable um, are here to let Frank Castle know uh, using legions and legions of uh, rap- like quickly disposed of mm. Marvel heroes from the time stream. Um, they he's basically want to let Frank know that the version of Thanos that he raises is so much worse <laughs> than the other one. Because what could possibly be wrong with a Thanos that's raised by the Punisher? And the fucking brilliant reveal... Of Thanos showing up at the end, full grown man in the in the Punisher outfit. <laughs> at the end, it's so dumb. Saying, "Hey, Dad, <laughs> yes, fucking perfect. Thank you, I love it." It was so great. It's so silly, and I like how much fun he's just having with this, and all of the character designs of these, like you know, future Marvel heroes, and all the different like. There's a female Iron Fist, and there's a weird shirtless Spider Man, and there's Blade, and a female. Spider-Man and he decapitates a beardy Cyclops and, and Moon Knight and yeah, uh, it's just pure pure silliness and and it you know it's it's really grisly and fun like you know just mm-hmm. over the top violence the whole way through it's it's killer yeah um, just this is like a, a perfect example of them just being like here is our sandbox have fun fuck it up yeah, like, yeah. totally um, this is like the book that everyone at Kings is enjoying at the moment because Great. it's just even straight Wayne. up even Wayne because it's got how the ducks as juggernaut juggernaut <laughs> juggernaut <laughs> um but like it's it is just straight up dumb superhero fun it's great though. Superheroes should be dumb fun often. Absolutely. Um, final book from Marvel this week we're going to talk about is uh, also written by Donny Cates. It's Death of the Inhumans, issue number three, um, featuring art by Ariel Olivetti and uh, color by uh, Jordi Belair. When this series started, I was like, this is well written. I don't know why it needs to exist um, as uh, a, just a kind of like random, you know, black-faced, uh, black-hooded um, bad black guy. Face. What the fuck? Come on, come on, man. No, come on. 
His head is black, like as in black like the night. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think all bad guys have black anyway, faces? Is that what this is? A random, ah. a random new bad guy starts quickly disposing of lots of beloved Inhuman characters. It felt very reactionary to um, the TV show not going well, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, it was still well done, and uh, this issue, I was just like, yep, I fucking love this series. I love what Kate is doing with this series. Um, Don't like the way Olivetti draws um, Medusa's hair, which I always feel like is a big part of um, any Inhumans book, but yep. everything else is good. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and uh, this featured, like, so many cool little moments um, of... Uh, like, he's really, really good at divvying up different characters for him to use in his book, yeah, yeah, Donny yeah, Kate, yeah, yeah. in his different books, Donny Kate. It's like, Absolutely. it's not just this, you know, how like, you know, some characters have their favorites. Um, yeah, like how Spider-Woman shows up in everything that Bendis writes. Or how, um, you know, like uh, Jason Aaron will always use Quentin Choir. Yep. Um, which I love. But like, I, I love that, uh, yeah, Kate's is like, he just has like this, I guess, this wish list of various characters that he wants to show up in his books at some point and then do these epic moments with. And I've been like yearning for something great featuring Better A Bill. <clears throat> and I did not know that the, what I was yearning for was a drunk... Shirtless. Shirtless. Hatless. <clears throat> pantsless. Bulgy. <laughs> <laughs> Better A Bill. Fat as well, like yeah. overweight, uh, showing up and uh, basically coming to, uh, to... Avenge Lockjaw. Yeah. His good buddy Lockjaw. You know what I really like about Donny Cates? And it's sort of a thing that like... <laughs> It's a bit hard to put into words, but he's kind of like the anti-Cullen Bunn in that Cullen Bunn comes up with all these ideas, but then has no follow-through. Yeah, Like, yeah. Donny Cates is willing to just do some shit, and Marvel are just letting him do some shit. And also, and like, like he, big he moments, see, he big He seeds things. the idea and builds to it, whereas yeah. Cullen Bunn's like, here's my idea on page one, and in the end it's like, and it's still my idea on page 24. Yeah. Whereas this was just like, when they're like, oh, this guy used to have, like, he's going to be pretty pissed when he finds out about Lockjaw. And I was like, who could this be? Is yeah, it Ms. Totally. Marvel? Is it yeah. like, yeah, I was trying to think of like, and then... I was like, yeah. who had adventures with Lockjaw? And we also oh get God. like a, a really sad uh, moment for Ronan the Accuser, who's someone that's had like, you know, lots of yep. history with all the cosmic uh, uh, characters of Marvel. Um, this is just a great issue. So great. Olivelli doing great art um, yep. and uh, great bulges. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good bulge. I mean, he doesn't have a penis. Well, I mean, like, something's bulging. What is that? That's not... What? That's barely bulgy. That's like flat. Is it? Oh, I mean, okay. Well, yeah, that's like, you're right. It's his leg. <laughs> what if that's his dick? You were like, whoa, that's like, huge. Yeah, well, imagine if that's his dick. <laughs> Best dong That changes ever. everything. I'm, I'm putting this out there. That's not, that's not his uh, thigh. <clears throat> those aren't, those aren't quads. His, what? Why would his dick be all the way over there? It's better a bill dick. Mm. Anyway. Someone could get on the phone to Marvel for me and find out what, what uh, Beta Ray Bill's uh, anatomy is. What a reward like. for listening to the end of the, end, to the end What a of treat! This what a treat for you. Uh, we've got one, a couple more books to talk about yep. from other publishers. I got two. What do you got that isn't Van Veronica? I got Come Into Me, the no. comic that I always feel uncomfortable saying out loud. Written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler with pencils and inks by Piotr, Piotr Kowalski. Peter Kowalski. Peter Kowalski. Um, but I always like to say it. Piotr. Yeah, exactly. Like in um, the X-Men TV series. Piotr. Um, and Colors by Nico Guardia. And this is the fucking weirdo near future sci-fi book about what if you could uh, be inside someone's brain at the same same time as them. What if you could come into someone's brain? Fucking yes, exactly. And in this, um, so our sort of protagonist, like, well, protagonist rather than hero, is this sort of tech genius billionaire guy who's come up with a technology to transfer your consciousness into someone else's brain 
and a woman has been transferred into his body and she's trying to take it over because her body has died of cancer. So um, it's the the war between the two people in his head as she tries to find a new body for herself and she starts propositioning prostitutes to try and get them to come back to the place so that she can steal their bodies. This is like a really clever, weird psychological drama and I think it's really great. I think Black Mask are publishing some really weirdo shit and I'm, I really like it. Cool. You stopped reading this? Yeah, I don't know why. Weird. I mean, probably because I read too many other comics. Yeah, it's freaky as all hell, and if you don't like body horror, I wouldn't recommend it, but um, it's really clever. Well, I do like body horror, and I'm going to steal this issue and read yeah. it tonight. It's great. Finally, Vampironica returned for its third issue, written by Greg Smallwood and Meg Smallwood, with art by Greg Smallwood. Um, and this is the uh, uh, the Archie Universe uh, horror book mm-hmm. that, that uh, asks the question, what if Veronica was a vampire? But also a vampire hunter. Yes, like Blade. Yeah. What if Veronica was Blade? Um, I got confused. I was hoping that this was also the book where Betty's um, family is a long line werewolf of werewolf hunters. hunters, but it's not. Because I feel like they almost made reference to that in the first page. <laughs> yep. Um, this is such a, like, this is, the Archie horror comics toe that fine line of being like, oh, is this just like some cheesy, like dumb gimmicky bullshit? And some of them are, and some of them are amazing. And I think this is a amazing series i fucking love greg smallwood his art is so so like gorgeous the girls are so beautiful all of the outfits are amazing the facial expressions are like specific and clear and expressive i love i fucking love it veronica's hair in this book as well i love yes such a good hairstyle i'm always like i always am tempted to take um, like various comic books into the hairdresser to be like, can you make my hair look like Get this? I know one. it's a drawing. I know it's a drawing, but is that possible? Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's just, it's. I, this is my favorite Archie book. Um, also featuring my favorite panel of the week, uh, the final panel in which uh, Veronica uh, saves Betty's life by crashing her car into a uh, into a vampire. And... Um, then uh, gets out of the car and says, hey, girl, I can just tell from your face what you're thinking. And yes, this is a new look. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and she's got vampire teeth. So great. It's really good. It's yep. funny, but also scary. And so, so gorgeously illustrated. I love how his, his um, like, it looks like pencils. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is, this- that's a digital effect, but it it works. It feels very, like, tactile and textural. We've had a few Archie horror books since uh, Afterlife and Sabrina that haven't quite been at that level of goodness. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. This, definitely, this one definitely is. Yes, absolutely. Jughead uh, the hun- Hunger, you can give it a miss. But yeah. this one is essential. Definitely. Um, well, Siobhan, another perfect episode. Perfect! Um, and the oh final gosh. perfect episode recorded live at King's Comics Pitt Street Address. Again, you can now catch uh, King's Comics uh, in Sydney at 403 George Street. Yes, we'll be we open it. on Wednesday. You did it. You nailed it. <gasps> Next, this Wednesday. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Just in time for new comic book day. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're reopening on uh, shipment day because we hate ourselves. And uh, this week gives us like 16 number one issues. It's a really big week too. <laughs> including <laughs> a new Archie series called Archie 1941. Oh God, I don't care about that. Blood Realm, Cemetery Beach. Exilium, Iceman, Joe Gollum, Low Road West, MCNLXXV. I'm sure that's Roman numerals for something. Let's get a, take a guess. 104. Uh, Moth and Whisper. It's definitely not 104. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Newbury and Hobbs. Welcome to Wonderland. Wildstorm. Oh, no, sorry. Wrong Earth. Those are all the number one issues coming out next week. I don't want to read any of those. Some of them sound okay. 
can't remember what any of them are about, but guess what's exciting? What is? Headlopper returns next week. Ah! And a few other good things. Yeah, cool. Um, also, Journey into Mystery, Birth of Krakoa, number one. Oh, fun. cool. Interesting. Krakoa is a funny character. Um, Siobhan, if you want to get in touch with the show, you personally, you can email yourself at yes, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. You can also follow yourself on Twitter. And I can ignore my own emails from myself. <laughs> I don't um, ignore emails. I just sometimes forget to check. We are at serious underscore underscore issues on Twitter mm-hmm. um, or Siobhan CBG and at Levdog individually. Um, and, uh, of course, our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. See you there or at the new King Store. Yeah, come say George hi. Street. I'm just going out there. I can't wait to see the new, the new digs. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be really cool. It's like a cool new location for us. Yeah, and plus they're going to start um, selling food there now. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? Food and comics together at last. George would have an actual <laughs> fucking breakdown. There are a couple of comic book stores. Like, there's a comic book store in the States that's like a coffee shop slash... Comic book store. And I'm okay, always yeah. like, that's cool, but also people will be touching, like, touching like, the like, comics like with their greasy Greasy hands. pizza and, yeah. and comics. <laughs> Together at last. Um, where it's like, it's only CGC graded comics <laughs> and you, you, you're you like, yeah, you, you touch them and they just lose value. And that's, what, that's how you pay your bill. That sounds good. Yep. Anyway, thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com.
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.